we're going to go ahead and uh, get things started off and, uh, you know, just happy new year. Welcome back. Uh, week eight of Pursuit for Purpose. You know, let's go, guys. It's 2022. And you know what? Uh, you know, having a few of these under the belt and uh, now heading into a brand new year. Uh, I'm just excited that we're still, you know, so close to the beginning, actually, that everything feels so fresh and new. But I can also feel that change. I feel the growth and direction, you know, that's starting to happen. And I'm really beyond excited for 2022 because, you know, not for what it will bring to us, but for what we get to bring to 2022. And uh, I just got to say, trust your beginnings. They're, uh, they're the most difficult, but many times the most rewarding. And if we can get the, the right attitude behind our work, there's, there's transformation possible with what you pour into yourself in all the areas that you care about. You know, life is not a straight line. It's a, it's a tough process but one we have to be ready to endure as it will hit us all in you know, some area at some point in our journey. You know, so we're going to have a really fun chat today. And I really want to want to thank you guys as always for taking the time to get in here live in this room or even for listening later. So I've loved and, and honored getting a, a chance to receive some of the me messages from you guys sharing positivity about the experience. And I, I can't explain to you that you know, the fire that gives me to, to my heart when there's an ounce of value that, it feels like giving back to your life for taking your time with us. So uh, just to kind of go through it real fast, as you guys know, the mission statement for Pursuit for Purpose is to bring the world's most passionate athletes together in a collaborative environment to encourage our goals and aspirations. You know, by using the teachings and principles of the greatest minds before us, we'll give our athletes the foundation to build the rest of their lives and become champions of character. So, uh, we get the opportunity to be joined uh, every week with a guest who's in the process of accomplishing their goals and living out their truth. And, uh, and this week, we got a, a special one for ourselves. And, and I hope that the information received sparks a desire in you to, to move towards some of your best abilities and goals for, for whatever you might be seeking. Because uh, we got to take action now on the things we can change that will pave the way towards that vision. And if there's any additional way that I can be of service personally, please reach out and uh, we can create a more detailed plan for helping you reach those goals. So uh, the topic for this week and, and to kick off the year is resilience. And the timing of this syncs up, I believe, perfectly. So we set goals and new directions in, that we need to be prepared up front and, and knowing that there's some mental tools to battle the challenges of the journey ahead. So resilience is defined as the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties. But also, like it's a second listed definition, which is the ability for a substance or object to spring back into shape, elasticity. We will bend. Life will force us to. But how quickly and efficiently can you bounce back when we get dealt the punches that get thrown our way? Margaret Thatcher said something simple yet profound. You may have to fight a battle more than once to win. So start to really get to know yourself. Be honest about what you need to improve and keep working at it. You know, get back up and head back towards what you hold yourself to. Our guest this week, you know, baseball mind guys, that we're very, very lucky to have with us, brings experience in every area of the game to the table. Shares the knowledge that, that he's obtained back with others to share the love and growth of the game. He has a resume that is likely longer than a CBS receipt, but some of the most awesome things include coaching in minor league and major league baseball, and the head coach of Team Israel in the 2017 WBC. He's the legendary Sacramento City College head coach where he amassed an 831 and 208 record for an 800 winning percentage. It, it, that's just insane. 
And in that time, he saw 213 players drafted, 28 of those guys getting to the big leagues. He's a member of four different Hall of Fames, including the ABCA. He's also the 2018 Tony Gwynn Award winner, and this year will be honored at the ABCA convention as the recipient of the ABCA Lefty Gomez Award. Join me in welcoming Jerry Weinstein. Jerry, thanks a ton for joining us and sharing in some of your time to, to get this new year started off. You bet, Kirk. Thank you, and uh, happy uh, new year to everybody, and uh, and uh, let's get her going. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And well, just with that being said, and and I know I have some questions for you that end up uh, allowing you to tell us a little bit about yourself, but you know, tell us tell us about you from what you want us to know about you. Tell us a little bit about your uh, about your experience for somebody that might you know somehow uh, <laughs> probably not, but be hearing about you for the first time. Well, uh, I've been coaching in one form or another for over 60 years, and uh, obviously uh, it's a passion. Uh, I'm, I don't have a whole lot of cylinders that I, I delve into, you know, between family and coaching. That's what I do. Uh, not a lot of outside interests uh, other than I, I go to the gym every day. We go to the beach every day when we're at home and drink our coffee, uh, read the paper, and, uh, and then go work out, and then there are a couple colleges in the area I'll stop by or they're at different times of the year. I'm more busy with the Rockies, especially from February on with spring training and, and instructional league and then roving through the system. And uh, I've done a lot of different things, worked in the Cape during different times during the summer and covered the Cape for our scouting. But I'll go out and see uh, <clears throat> the top minor league catch or the top uh, amateur catchers, free agent catchers in the market, high school and college guys. And and I, I, I read a lot and uh, I write a lot and um, I just really, uh, life is good. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. And, and I like to hear that, that direct connection that you talked about as far as just your family connection and, and the different things that you have. But it, it's funny, I'm sure that through your experiences, even though there's not too many outside different things, you've learned so many different things within the game of baseball and that it is just still so vast that you can have a career as long as you have and still continue learning about the game that you've been around for so long. I think that's awesome. Uh, well, I think if you've done it, if you've done it a long time, you, you've screwed up a lot. And you know, <laughs> we're talking about resiliency and that's one of the pieces of resiliency. And, you know, it's the old, the more, you know, the more you need to know and the man with the most information wins. And so uh, I'm trying to gather information on a daily basis so I can make changes that will affect behavior uh, with, within our organization and with our players. Absolutely. And, and, you know, having had the tenured career that you've had for yourself, there has to be an abundance of resiliency that's gone through the process of, of just the peaks and valleys that we go through. So I look forward to hearing a little bit about what you got to say. So let's jump right into it with the, the first question, just being, you know, what value do you place in, in not only resilience, but overall the character of an individual is, as an attribute towards what they can accomplish as an athlete? Well, it, it, being being a professional baseball player, being the best that you can be in any field is 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 going to be difficult. There's always some adversity, and one of the phrases that I use it uh, adversity is fertilizer. We use that to fuel ourselves, especially in baseball, where there's uh, you know a lot of failure built into the game, just the basic nuts and bolts of the game, and uh, and it doesn't stop once you get to the big leagues. Uh, there's adversity in the big leagues. It's the only 
one of the few jobs in, in the world that uh, someone is standing outside your office door getting ready to take your desk and chair uh, when, you, when you are not productive. And so uh, if you're not careful, if you become complacent and you, know, you don't all of a sudden become a, a big league player and not try and get better every day, I think that's one of the real challenges. I think complacency can be an issue, but with the, when you get to that level uh, and that type of player, uh, if they they don't get there, if there's a sense of complacency, they're they're always trying to raise the bar, make themselves better on a daily basis. And we talk about kaizen, making improvements in small increments. It's a business philosophy in Japan, and it's more organization oriented. Uh, that uh, that every person in in an organization has an obligation to make small improvements daily. And so that philosophically, that's kind of what I like to. To uh, that's a, a big selling point for me within the within the culture within the the, the group. Uh, I think from an individual standpoint, when we talk about the different character traits, uh, I think uh, responsibility is is right up there with at number one. I think we have uh, unfortunately it's endemic in, in our society today that it's it's almost a national pastime transfer of blame. And I think that that doesn't work in a competitive environment and nobody wants to hear about the labor pains. They want to see the baby. And so you have to take responsibility for yourself. That's the one thing that that you have a chance to control your own environment and making good choices. The, the guys that, that are high achievers, I don't care if it's baseball, if it's uh, in the church, if it's in an academic setting or in a corporate setting, you know, they they have made a series of good choices. Now, that doesn't mean that every choice turned out exactly the way that they wanted it, but then that gets back to dealing with adversity. When things don't work, then you change lanes and you move in a, in a different direction. Uh, I think the other thing that's really important and, and, and people that have passion for what they do, they wanna do it so they have a, a work ethic, but it's not just sweat equity, it's more than that. It's, it's working smart and working hard. Just just, just putting the, the work in is not good enough. It has to be an intelligent, hard work. Um, I think another thing, the people that, uh, uh, from a, a character trait that uh, every good successful person has is they compete. Uh, no matter what the environment says, no, no, not, you know, because baseball is a game there. There are all kinds of naysayers out there. We've all been told you can't do this and you can't do that. And even, even the most elite players are, you know, are, are coached in a negative fashion at a certain time. And you can't listen to those naysayers um, because you can't control what they say. It's, it's what you believe. And when everything else fails, you step in that batter's box, you step on the mound or you step in the field. And the one thing that you can choose to do is compete on a daily basis. And uh, you're going to have some good, you're going to have some bad days, but you got to make them good bad days. And uh, my, my good friend, Ken Revisa uh, talked about, he says, uh, do you have to, are you so bad that you have to feel good to play good? And so that, I mean, that resonated with me and the guys, you know, you feel good or you feel bad, you get hundred percent of whatever you got on a particular day. If it's, if I'm 80% today, because I got a, I got a bump and a bruise or whatever it happens to be, I'm going to get the max out of myself on that particular day. And then controlling the controllables. Uh, to me, you, you'll, you'll never have a, a challenge in life. If you know what the, what the, what the 
game of what the, what is dictated and what is in front of you and then dealing with whatever's in front of you and and being in the moment and controlling that making the choice to control that in a positive way so i think that those are just you know kind of spray gunning a bunch of things out there uh some important things relative to resilience and so on and so forth but uh that's what i got for you in that area no, I appreciate it. And I mean, and just really as far as encompassing that the, uh, the entire package is, is just as important as, as everything else. But I do appreciate you lending some attention to knowing that, hey, it's these guys that get here and then are all of a sudden going to turn something on that they've never been doing. They've probably been working pretty hard and being resilient to get to this level and now they know that they have to keep it and maintain it but a lot of those skills that are developed uh, mentally have, have kind of already been been forged a little bit and then maybe they're sharpened as they go along but the, are these guys uh coming into the game with with more mental fortitude these days you would say as, as younger players are they coming in a little bit more, more mentally polished at all in your experiences I think yes, with the, the rise in, in, uh, in uh, uh, sports psychology and, and having a better game plan in that area. It, it used to be, I remember I was, I was the farm director for the Dodgers and we had hired Ken Revisa to be one of our consultants. And that was a time where if a guy was seen talking to the sports psychologist, there was something wrong with him. He had to, he had to meet him in their hotel room and talk to him and help him. And now everybody's got someone that they use uh, to d help develop them, their, their mental, the mental side of their game. Uh, I, I used to kid with, with Ken, I used to tell him, I say, hey, Ken, he says, this game is 95% physical and 5% mental. He says, well, that may well be, he says, but the 5% mental controls the 95% physical. And in our game, in the professional game, we don't miss on tools. We don't miss, hey, this guy can run, and we, oh, no, he really can't run. Or this guy's got raw power. We don't miss on that. We don't miss on arm strength. We don't miss on bat-to-ball skills. Uh, we don't miss on any of the, the physical tool stuff. But the big uh, separator is the mental side of the game, getting getting 100% of what you got on the mental side. What What is that big bonus going to do? How is it going to be uh, – how, how are they going to handle adversity? They've always been – the big fish in the small pond. I remember uh, when I was a farm director, we had drafted a very high profile left-hander and gave him a bunch of money. And we sent him up to the pioneer league and, and he was, he was struggling dramatically. And, and I went up there just to settle things down a little bit. And he was despondent and he says, Hey, he says, I can't believe it. He says, uh, when I was in high school, I struck out 18 out of 21. They get one or two hits off me. And, and I can't get out of the second inning now. And I said, well, I, let me tell you something. He says, number one, you know, all those 18 guys you struck out, they're not here. You know, those guys, those two guys that got hits off you, they're all here. I said, you have the physical ability to do this, but you have to, you can't lose your self-confidence just because you're having adverse outcomes. You got to process. And really, I'm very process oriented. You hear Nick Saban all the time talk about process and we're big on process. If you take care of the process and you believe in yourself and you compete, you've got a chance. And I think more than anything else, uh, the mental side of this game is, is hugely important. Now, if you don't have a certain level of physical ability, all the mental strength in the world isn't going to make you a nuclear physicist. Just isn't good. It just isn't going to happen. But, uh, 
the fact of the matter is that that uh, that that mental piece is 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 really really important. So in your coaching, in your teaching, if you're not dealing, if you don't have a that's not woven into the fabric of what you do as an instructor, uh, you, you should uh, kind of uh, uh, do a little uh, self-examination and see if that might enhance what you're doing. Awesome, awesome. I, I love to hear that, and I love that you've had the, the perspective and and obviously the experience to be able to see these different, you know, positive fluctuations that can can happen for the game. And one of the things that I got to commend you on for just all the experience that you might have. It's just so awesome that you're still continuing to to dig deeper and learn more. And you know, just as simple as it is, and as, as small and minuscule as it might be, you're open to saying, hey, I'm jumping on TikTok. I'm going to try to figure this thing out. I'm going to I'm gonna move in the direction of where not only the game is taking me, but the connection to where people are at that I can, you know, get with people from this game is at. So I think that's awesome. And it's just a testament to, to what you've done in the game and where you're continuing to go and grow with the game of baseball, aside from, you know, with technology, you know, and experience. Well, I think never before, uh, has information been more accessible? And you know, I just stick to my statement that I made previously. Information is king. The man with the most information that uses it wisely wins. And there's great information out there. I do a lot of reading. Uh, I read probably a book every three days. And, uh, you know, I spend a lot of time on the Internet. There's a lot of good people on the Internet. I spend a lot of time uh, talking to people that have more info than I do and asking them questions and Fortunately, they'll they still take my calls and and so uh, and and plus <clears throat> being in professional baseball, I have a lot of good resources relative to to video and and TrackMan data and and ball flight data and you name it. So you know I can look at the metrics and I can look at uh, uh, the data and I can hear what people are saying and more importantly, I can go out on the field and spend time and 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 experiment and try see what works for each individual because everybody's different. There's no always or nevers in this game and you have to be able to adapt to the individual differences of each player. Right. Right. And well, I mean, just even with that being said, and as a, as a, as a professional that's had a, a long career in, in the game of baseball and is, and is always seeking to learn, like we've talked about, can you share about a time that your resilience was tested and, and what it taught you? Well, I, I tried to to uh, to look back at my career and, and and see if there was any time where I I, I was ever in doubt or ever uh, tested from a resiliency standpoint. But I've always been a guy that uh, has been very much in the moment. And uh, when something happens, I deal with it and I choose to deal with it in a way that is going to be best for me and my family and 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 also best for that, that those people that created that adversity or that tested my resiliency. I don't think I've ever buckled. Uh, you know, I've lost jobs and I've not gotten jobs that I've liked or I've lost games or championships. And, and uh, you know, I, I, the one thing that, and not that it's any particular skills, just the way I'm wired, I just move on, you know, okay, that happened. Now, what are you going to do? You know, it's not so much what happens to you. It's how you react to what happens to you. And I don't think that I've had, ever let anything be an impediment. In, in, and, and I've also accepted responsibility that, you know, I'm not pointing fingers at someone when something bad happened to me. I look in the mirror and I figure out what, what can I do better the next time to, 
to uh, not have to uh, endure this type of situation. Right. That's awesome. I, that's not a, that doesn't answer your no, question, no. but I don't feel like at any time I really wavered or I didn't, you know, I didn't waste time on on stuff that wouldn't help me move on. Right. Immediately. I mean, I, and I still think that there's tremendous value to that for yourself that you stuck to the course that you didn't need to put yourself in a position that you had to be questioning. Why didn't I do what I, I felt like I needed to do? I mean, I think there's a, there's a strong testament to, to recognizing that your, your, the length of your career has something to be said with that, that you're, you're confident in where you're at and also present with where you're at throughout the process to continue building those relationships and just having that experience. And just like we said, learning, continuing to be present and, and learning in the moment and, and challenging not only yourself, but uh, you know, the people around you. So I think that's, that's awesome that it can be, and there's plenty of things that can be known, but don't necessarily have to have the worst of that experience to be able to give the, the proper advice to somebody else to, to not have to necessarily go through that. So I think that's, I think that's still awesome and appreciate you sharing it with us. Um, well, there, there isn't anybody that isn't going to live, well, I'm, I'm going on 79 that isn't going to live 78 years and not have some things that could, could knock you off, off the, your, your, your tracks. And, and, but, you know, if you, you understand that you can't do anything, you know, uh, you can't do anything about things that have happened in the past. That's, that's, that's history. And you can't do anything about uh, what's going to happen in the future. You can only take care of the now. And, and, uh, and that's what I try and do, try and stay in the moment, figure out what I need to do uh to take care of the now and uh you know and for me it's it's worked it may not work for everybody but it's worked well for me well and that kind of leads into the a little bit of the next one and i know we talked about it hasn't been a ton of it but you know with such an impactful experience that you've had to the game of baseball you know how uh how has sticking with it and you know just continuing to make sure to push yourself and show some resilience and continuing to grow and sharing and learning you know, how has that brought the best of yourself to the other areas of your life outside of baseball, just as we've talked about with family? <laughs> uh, I've, uh, you know, other areas of my life, <laughs> my life is basically uh, baseball. Uh, my, my, you know, obviously, I've been married 55 years. My wife and I go to the beach every day, and then I go to the gym and work out for two hours and then come back and read or do whatever and you know, that's, that's kind of what we do. It's, there's not a lot of, and, you know, I have two, uh, two, two grandsons, one's a smoke jumper and the other's a firefighter in town. And, and, uh, you know, they're in, they're in their mid to late twenties. And so we try and get with them as much as possible. And, uh, and, uh, my daughter lives in town here and she's a, a social worker works with, uh, uh, she, she, she represents all the foster care children in San Luis Obispo. So, you know, we're, we have, you know, it's very simple. It's not very complex. Uh, and so I, I'd like to say I've got a lot of these cylinder, other cylinders, but I have a passion for what I do. I like to do what I do. I'm kind of an idiot in every other area, and even and also an idiot in baseball sometimes. And and so I, I, I'd like to make it, you know, I, I'd like to tell you that there are a lot of cylinders that I'm a great artist or, or ceramicist or whatever, but I'm not. I'm just a, a baseball coach who uh, likes to work out and read and write and spend time with the family. Well, so then take me, uh, take me a layer deeper of that within baseball. What's an area of the game that you're still 
just very interested in trying to dive into that. You're, you're just fascinated by that more either emerging, emerging information or just, uh, you know, inquisitive mind is drawing you towards it. Well, I, I just think you're always uh, looking for that, uh, the quest for uh, how to uh, develop excellence. And there's a lot of tools out there, whether they be analytic or, or metrics or training and, uh, and, and just there's, there's just so many new tools out there then, and you, and you want to be able to evaluate them and find out what's best for each individual player and, and for our organization. And, you know, so I'm always looking into what's the next new best thing. And, uh, the, the people that adjust the fastest, uh, are at the top of the food chain. And because as soon as uh, something new comes out and someone has success with it, everybody gets on the bandwagon and the guys that are, have been on that bandwagon earlier are leaving and moving on to something else. Now I'm not talking about, uh, changing lanes every day. It's liquid. And, but you, you have to be willing to make changes. I think, um, I, I spend a lot of time looking at videos of the, of the elite, the elite of the elite and how they are successful and, and the bandwidth in terms of performance relative to standard deviation. And like in the catching right now, one knee catching and blocking from a knee and throwing off of a knee and, and uh, the, the pitch calling piece. Uh, I spend a lot of time right now looking at uh, uh, some of the metrics relative to, we, we, we spend a lot of time with our pitchers throwing, but we don't spend a lot of time with our position players. And we don't, uh, uh, for me, we, we've just started using uh, TrackMan and Rapsodo with our catchers and other position players to look at their ball flight and spin uh, efficiency and spin axis and velocity and trying to develop programs for each individual player using those, that data to help them be the best they, best version of themselves that they can be. And so I'm there's a lot of facets of the game that, that I look at. I'm, I'm really intrigued by the, uh, the, the arm injury issues that we're dealing with and how poorly up to this point we've done in terms of really understanding that piece and, and being able to affect uh, some change. And we have so many people on the disabled list. We're paying them so many millions and billions of dollars not to pitch. And then also some of the uh, issues with foul tips and subconcussive type uh, contacts. And, you know, just looking into that a little bit, I just, I'm, I'm kind of a generalist, you know, even though I, I have specific skills and, but I have, general information on everything. And when I read and hit something and I start thinking about it, then I start looking into it and digging into it and doing my research. And uh, I, I keep myself busy. You know, I'm, I'm not a big sleeper. And, and so uh, I'm on the internet a lot or I read a lot and I have things going through my head uh, all the time, you know, just mostly baseball, but just <laughs> everything in general. That's great. That's great. And I, I appreciate that. Uh, that insight into, you know, like you said, the intricacies of what's still out there and available to, to learn as we learn more about one area, it kind of opens up another door of this area that, hey, we didn't even realize this door got cracked open now that we bursted through this one. So I think that's fun that you, you, I think we need all the minds. You need people to be inquisitive and try to ask questions that might not have been answered, but you also need people with an open willingness who've been through it to this give good or good reasons or bad reasons why something should not be explored. But just because either of those people say good or bad doesn't mean that 
it's right or wrong. It's just all the opportunity that the game provides with it's, you know, big old game of poker. There's so many different hands that can play out that it's always just fun to talk about what if in the, in the game and potentially be prepared for it mentally to, uh, you know, improve upon the next play that you can make for yourself as an athlete. Um, but I don't one, one thing, uh, one thing, Kirk, there's a, there was a, I read a good book by Adam Grant called think again. And I, I highly recommend it. And he talks about always examining your paradigms. And, uh, I think that, uh, you know, some, sometimes we just do things because other people are doing it and we really don't understand it or, or truly evaluate it or, uh, do enough, uh, inspection to find out, you know, Hey, if is what we're doing the right thing. And if, you know, questioning, trying to, I said, uh, the good coaches are always trying to prove themselves wrong. They're always questioning what they're doing and seeing if there's not a better way. I think that, that, uh, you know, there's an old saying, let your reach exceed your grasp. You're, we're always reaching higher to get better. And uh, I think, th you know, that's something that I really try and do on a daily basis, along with, you know, in my role in our organization, being one of the older guys is kind of being a mentor guy. It's like uh, for many years as a coach, I, I, I took, I made a lot of withdrawals and the last 15 years or so, my goal every day is to make a deposit. And that's why I do the, the Twitter stuff and, and uh, was not intended to be that way, but that's the way it's become. And, and so for me, if I can help someone get better, whether it's a player or a coach, and like I tell our young coaches, I said, Hey, your job is to eliminate your job. Your job is to teach your players how to coach themselves and, and, and where they're not codependent. And, and I think that, so often, you know, we have these bucket lists and agendas that if I do this and I can do this with my life. And uh, when I was a farm director, one of the things I, one of my mantras, what, if you want to get to the big leagues, get your players there first. And so your, your product on the field is, is, uh, is your best uh, resume. I, that That's awesome. <laughs> I think that was a, a little bit of a, a little tidbit right there to, to share that well. Um, let, let me ask you as well, can you, can, you know, we're kind of on this topic of, of the, the players, people as well, you know, can you offer some advice based upon what you've seen in your experience about what some of the best athletes kind of have in common? Well, number one, they love what they're doing. They really have a passion for the game. They, uh, you know, they like the, the, you know, it's fun. But they, they also they, they also like the type two fun and type two fun is the blood, sweat and tear work, the, the stack in the hand, the barn that you have to do. That is not as much fun that will allow you that process allows you to go out and get two or three hits and, and get a scholarship or get signed or uh, get to the big legs. Uh, so they, they, they like certain everybody likes to to perform and be successful and help their team win and play well themselves. But also the great ones like Nolan Arenado was one of the greatest workers of all time. I had him in the minor leagues in in Modesto. And but the one thing that, that he, he loved was he loved to work. He liked to take batting practice. He liked to take ground balls. He liked everything about the game. And uh, it wasn't just, you know, oh, well, I'm not a very good practice player. He understood the value of everything. There are no little things. Everything's important. And he was a great example of that and certainly uh he had a lot of physical ability now he's not he's not a uh, an uber uh mike trout athlete but he's a he's an uber elite player 
because he's got one of the best internal clocks and internal compasses you've ever seen. And, and he's got unbelievable drive to be the best. And he holds himself accountable for that. Um, I think responsibility, I, I mentioned that before, they accept responsibility for their actions. They don't transfer responsibility. You know, it's not the teacher's fault. It's not the umpire's fault. It's not the coach's fault. Uh, I get a little bit concerned with the transfer portals and, and players jumping around because something goes wrong. And so they're going to bolt because it's all about them. And, and they, 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 their way of dealing with adversity is, is, to, is to avoid it. Uh, I, I'm not saying that there aren't some instances where you have to do things like that. But in general, I, I don't think it's a, a good process. Uh, uh, I think that the good ones are able to look in the mirror. And they figured that the, the most important guy is the man in the mirror. And one of the things uh, at the start of every professional season, we'd meet in the clubhouse and I'd tell these guys two things. I said, here's, you want no regrets. When you look at the mirror in the mirror, when your time is done and you're no longer able to play anymore, can you look in the mirror and say, hey, I did everything I could do to be as good as I could possibly be. And then the second thing is, are you willing to tell your teammates what they need to hear instead of what they want to hear? I think that that transparency is is really important. That's not just player to player. That's coach to player. I think that in a lot of environments, uh, especially young coaches are trying to be, you know, yeah, we'd like to be friends with our players. I, I get that. We like them to like us, but more importantly, we, we want to develop them. And sometimes you have to tell them stuff that they don't want to hear. And, uh, and I'm not talking about in a vicious way or anything, but you have to be transparent and true because ultimately, you know, we talk about, well, they don't care how much you, you know, until they know how much you care. Yes, that, that is true to an extent, but if you're going to be their coach, you better help them become better and better help them achieve their goals. Not just, you know, ask how their mom and dad are doing and their brother and sister and their girlfriend, stuff like that, or their grades or whatever, you know, that's important too, to know your player because it helps you develop the right kind of environment for them to be better players. But ultimately your job is to help them achieve their goals in terms of playing. And uh, so that's when, when the, when the uh, rubber meets the road, that's going to be the most important thing. Can you help them be a better player, be a better person, uh, be as good as they can possibly be. And then we talked about information and working smart rather than just working hard. And then, uh, uh, being in the moment, controlling the controllables, not worrying about stuff you can't control. And I thought watching the Giants this year, I was very impressed with how their dugout uh, culture. Uh, I watched a lot of Giant games, especially when they played the Rockies. And very, very infrequently did I see that dugout chipping at umpires, no matter how the, how the ball bounced, how bad the call was, or ball strikes or whatever, because they weren't in control there. I thought that just from the outside looking in, uh, what it appeared to me that they really were in control of the controllables, which I think that ultimately uh, that's going to determine your altitude. I, I think that's some, uh, some awesome uh, attributes that you were able to hit on that are pretty common to, to most of these guys. And, and I kind of wanted to take it back real fast to the, the first one when you talked about Nolan Arenado. You know, what, what is that like as a – as a coach, as a, as a person that gets to be with them and see them work, what, what does that do with somebody like yourself who sees, sees that coming out of an athlete that's as gifted as they are, 
you know, like is do you, do you kind of just know that's a it's a different level, it's a different breed of person, or just what what does that invoke within you as a coach when you when you see that and you just get to go, this guy's special. Oh, that's that's really fun. I can tell you that for a fact. Now it doesn't always happen the way it did with Nolan, but day one you looked and holy cow. There's something different here. Now, sometimes over time, like a guy like Charlie Blackman, over time, he grows on you. And over time, you see what he does and how much growth he's made. But you can, Nolan, from day one, you could see this guy is really different. I had a, <clears throat> I have a good friend, a guy named John Nochi, who was a, a JC coach at College of San Mateo, an older coach. And he would always come out and, and see us and, uh, in the minor leagues. And he came down to Modesto from San Mateo once and, he says, well, you have any good players? I said, yeah, the third baseman. I said, he's going he's gonna to be a Hall of Fame type player. He's unbelievable. <laughs> he says, how do you know? I said, I don't know. I said, you know, but when you see it, you know, especially if you've done it and you have a, a file cabinet of, of players that you can refer back to. But uh, very special. I remember uh, that after that year, uh, I was in instructional league and we were in the fall league. I'm not trying to be a name drop or anything, but I was sitting with uh, Mike Sosha and, uh, and, and he has that we're watching with the angels uh, uh, fall league team is playing the Rockies team. Uh, and he said, who's that third baseman? I said, Hey, and that guy's going to be a premium big league player. It's as you watch it, but he picked up on it right away. Right. Baseball people, baseball people. I can't tell you how many times I went to home plate in exchange lineups. And and <laughs> Nolan had made a Sports Center play, and and the manager that guy's on. And plus, Nolan was really uh, he has some ADD uh, going, and he's always talking to the third base coach, and so everybody knew him, and he was a friendly kid. But every night, he'd do something special where you'd go home and say, "Well, man, I don't think I've ever seen that done before." And he did some unbelievable things. Now, was he a perfect player? No, he wasn't a perfect player. Uh, he didn't run balls out the way he should. And I took him out of games and, and uh, you know, and he got better, but you know, he was a, he was a young guy and, and he was a guy that uh, I think he had 299 with 19 home runs, but he, he didn't, but could throw and could really field. He was the same type of guy as a defender in, in the Cal league, a low uh, or high a ball as he was in the big leagues. And uh but he didn't have his, he didn't have his real strength. And all of a sudden he got big and strong and hitting 40 home runs and driving in a uh, hundred plus home runs every year. And he wants to be in, in the limelight. He wants to be in that situation where his at bat is really crucial. And it's a, you know, the, the stat guys don't put much credence in, in clutch hitting, but he's a guy that he's clutch man. And he wants to be there. Uh, he wants to do it for his team. And, and and also obviously for his, himself and his family who are very supportive as well that's awesome that's that's got to be, be fun like you said to get to see it and be around other people when you almost have you know but, but even with, with that being said as the minor league manager uh i i get just as much uh enjoyment of taking a player who may be a lesser type player who's a fringe maybe non-prospect type guy and creating value in that guy and seeing him grow and, 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 and achieve things that were well above what everybody thought he was capable of doing. That's the power of the personality. And there are a lot of intangibles out there, but 
I, I think that one thing that most minor league managers do to their credit is they treat every player like a first round draft pick and developing uh, uh, that marginal player who in our minds may be marginal, but maybe he's a piece in a trade with another organization who has a different perspective and a different view of them after seeing them play over a short period of time. Right. Well, and I appreciate you offering that other perspective as well, because it's not like they're chopped liver. <laughs> they, they were, they're professional baseball players themselves. They just might not be as regarded or on this list uh, the same that some other prospect is, but they can get better too being given the hopefully good coaching and experience and tools and resources and everything that they're going to be around. So that, that has got to be a, also a rewarding experience to, to see some of these guys overcome other people's perceptions, but it all started with them believing that they were just as good as their own perceptions that they believed in, you know, for, for getting to that next level as well. So um, at the professional level, are these guys coming to you as coaches and, and even with the sports psychology stuff before it started coming to that being that wing, were these guys coming to you guys and sharing these same questions and concerns of just, Hey, I'm having trouble upstairs. You know, what advice do you got me for that? I think uh, not. I, I think that in, in general, that's not a conversation that, that most players, uh, it, it's not out front. It's, it's like, uh, it's unstated, but also how you talk to them and how you coach them and how you interact with them uh, allows you to address those issues, uh, even though it's not, it's not on the forefront. And, uh, you know, I mean, there are certain uh, acute situations where we need to have intervention and, and, and that's more on a referral basis. But uh, as, as a coach, I mean, I'm trying to coach the mental game with everything that I do. Every drill that I do has a mental game component to it relative to uh, being positive and focusing on what we want to do and not getting overly internal relative. I mean, that's part of of teaching and coaching. And uh, I think we tend to get very mechanical. And I think that really uh, we need to be a little, and it's just my opinion that we need to be more externally focused, more focused on ball flight, whether it's a, a throwing ball or a batted ball, rather than uh, what your body parts are doing and, and creating the right type of drill in terms of complexity and game speed, where a guy gets enough reps doing it that he's uh, I think it's almost like you backward engineer uh, certain mechanical aspects of the game, whether it be pitching or hitting. When a guy hits a line drive 400 feet at 105 miles at exit speed, well, maybe I look at the metrics, look back and see, hey, what did, how did he organize his body on that swing and what did he do? And then we try and replicate that as much as possible. But the guys that are really good, they, without putting their A swing on, on a, on, a, on a ball, if we're talking about hitting, they can still replicate that ball flight because uh, at the point of impact, they're at the right point. But in getting there, there's a lot of adjustments and corrections that occur during the way. But I think that uh, we tend to probably be too verbal, in my opinion, in our coaching and, and don't give the, the player a chance to organize his body and, and give them a goal and let them program their body based on the goal. And, uh, and, uh, see what happens. And I think that that, I think there's all too, <clears throat> way too much thinking going on uh, and they overanalyze things and, 
and they get paralyzed at, on, at times, not everybody, but some. And again, that's adjusting to the individual differences and everybody's different. I, I like that though, that just really that, that awareness that, you know, hey, we, we do probably gotta, as much as we can feed good information, the body still needs time to let it come to pass. You know, they got to put the reps in, they got to reprogram themselves. And by feeding different information to it, it could almost mess up the programming of what good aspect they were working on because, hey, now something else jumped to the forefront that delayed progression or growth that, you know, something else could have been worked on. So I, I think I think that you're definitely onto something there with as much good information as we have, we have to be careful on how we disseminate. Well, I think what happens is that we're trying to develop a relationship with that player. And part of that relationship is based on trust. And part of that relationship, that trusting relationship is based on them, that you showing them that you've got some, some info to help them and we overload them. And, uh, and in, in our effort to make them better and, and create trust, uh, it's having the, the opposite uh, effect. Right, right. Um, let me uh, let me ask you one more before I get into uh, seeing if anybody else had any questions for you or anything that they wanted to contribute. But uh, the the last question I had for you is just: Is there anything else that you'd like to share that you feel is valuable in any way towards helping players get to where they want to go? Well, I, I think probably it'd be more important for the people that are listening if there's anybody still left uh, that if they have questions, I, I can answer them because. Uh, you know, what's important to me is not important. It's what's important to the players and the coaches. Uh, it's more about, well, it's certainly more about the player. And for me in a mentorship uh, role, it's more about the coaches and helping them awesome. uh, help the players become their, the best version of themselves. Awesome. Well, hopefully as people give this a listen for themselves, either now or at a different time, you'll, you'll get your, uh, your inbox hit with some, uh, some requests for some help. You know, put if you, on your website, if you want to put my email and my number, I'd be glad to help anybody anytime. That's awesome, Jerry. I definitely will. And uh, I'll make sure to, to share that up there. But um, on, on top of that though, before uh, asking anybody about any, any kind of, uh, you know, if you're going to have any requests or would like to speak, go ahead and uh, make a request so I can go ahead and go through that process so that we don't get too held up there. But um, you know, if not, we'll, we'll be getting to a little bit of an actionable thing that uh, that I'll be recommending for this week's action. And then towards closing towards it as well too. But the, these days with um, you know, with the MLB draft where it's at Jerry and it being shortened, uh, it, it, it not necessarily goes hand in hand with resilience, but it's definitely a perception that these kids are that much more scared where, Hey, a thousand guaranteed spots of people getting their names called, so to speak is, is taken away uh, where I, for whatever reason, think it's that much more of a chance for everybody to have a kind of, of a chance because they're still going to have to sign people. Um, what, what positivity do you see coming from, from the draft shortening for yourself? Sorry for a long question. Well, um, we can focus on a smaller number of players and, and uh, we can have a, a more dense instructional situation. Uh, we're dealing with fewer players. I think, uh, I think one of the issues, you know, the, the very low percentage of players who 
play professional baseball who get to the big leagues, if, uh, an optimistic number would be 10%. And so, so I think that uh, uh, that factored into the decision-making. And, and uh, I think that, uh, you know, A, there are a lot of players that have come out of independent leagues that are playing in the big leagues or have played in the big leagues. And so not all the fruit gets ripe at the same time, just because you, you didn't get drafted or didn't sign or were not signed after the draft doesn't mean your career is done. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities out there for guys to play if they want to play. And uh, uh, I, I think, uh, I think, I think overall it's, it's, it's a good thing relative to, uh, moving players faster. Once they get into the minor leagues, there are less steps, and so we can move get younger players to the big leagues faster. I think the uh, the uh, focus is on year-round training, where uh, we're not just sending guys home for seven months and say, "Hey, go work on something." We're spending time with them and encouraging guys to live in the in the uh, uh, spring training facility and and having support services there for them in terms of workouts and cages and so on and so forth the right time of the year so that they can they can you know the window is closes every day and so uh you know this is this is a 24 7 type business and and the rewards are great at the top but even in even in triple a guys are getting and now we're going to start to pay players better and we're going to house them better and so they're not paying us to play in a sense uh, we're we're i think we're moving in the right direction so, so overall, the conditions are going to be much better for the players that are in the system as well. I, I feel that's what it seems to be from the outside looking in as well, too. I mean, and and I, for whatever reason, I just don't see it as this crazy bad thing because I think a lot of people don't understand that the back end wasn't necessarily some financially, you know, life-changing, rewarding thing anyway, that people are still getting their chances. It's not like people aren't being evaluated. It's not like if you don't have the tools, there's not enough space for you to be able to be out there and play. It's just continuing to be able to, to work and building relationships and building your product as a player, you know, what you have to be able to, to showcase it towards that. But um, as we, as we kind of head towards the end here for ourselves, we, uh, I'm going to end up just as you had said, uh, you know, kind of sending some messages, but oh, well, it looked like somebody got somebody does want to ask you something or, or share let's see what we got here sorry Gary all right Dominic if you got something go ahead and uh feel free can you hear me yes yes I can hear you sounds good yeah so uh my question is like you kind of said a lot about um you know really using positivity for players I'm just wondering like have you ever had to have a conversation with a player just kind of like, because, you know, they say baseball is a business. So have you ever had to like, tell a player, like, yeah, I don't know if this is going to work out for you. Or like, if you don't change this quick, then I don't know how much longer you have. Like something, a conversation kind of like that. Well, I, I have those types of conversations all the time about individual choices that guys are making and, and, you know, relative to, but you know, it's, and it's not in an attacking mode, you know, uh, a, you're over 40 and, you know, uh, you know, maybe you ought to think about uh, finishing school or whatever, those type of things. But, you know, you know, and, and again, for me, it's a co collaborative effort. When you, when you're bringing a player in, 
and and to help him you you want to work with him so it's not my hey you need to do this or you got to do this or you got to do that you know what i'll it's more of of what do you think we need to do here how can we improve this where where what's the plan here what's what's the issue right now and try and because basically uh you know it's not an exact science you know i'm in i'm in, i'm basically an idiot and so and i tell them that i say hey if i had a good answer you wouldn't be going over 40 right now i'd be doing something but we need to we need to look at some things and and develop a, a strategy and and have a process and not worry about maybe it's just not worry about outcomes so so much it's more about hey are we are we in the box taking care of our process and not trying to figure out if I get a hit here, what will my batting average be? If I get a hit here, then will I have a chance to do this or that or the other thing? So I think it's, uh, you know, and, and there are players that, that make bad choices and things that they do on and off the field relative to how they prepare or, or how they play the effort that they give on a daily basis. And, and you have to have those discussions and, and I do. And, 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 uh, you know, I, I, you know, they, un, they understand, hey, I'm here to help you, but there are standards as well. And, and my job, I work for the Rockies. And when you don't meet our standards, then then we're going to have a conversation. And if if you continue to make those types of choices, then I have no choice but to not put your name in the lineup. And so those are the those are the types of conversations where ultimately uh, the best lessons are self-taught. You want the ball in the in the players court and, and where they can, you know, where it's not based on someone else's decision, they take the decision-making out of your hands because of how they perform. Awesome. I really appreciate the, uh, the question, Dominic, and, uh, and, and <laughs> appreciate the candid answer, Jerry, that, yeah, you do. You have to have those real life conversations and, and uh, <laughs> I'm sure they're not necessarily super duper fun, but they're adult and needed. And if you don't have them, then it's then it's completely transactional. It feels like it's no chance to hey let you know what we're seeing. You're just out of here. Um, it, with it even being a business, it, is it? Are there more places that are more business and more places that have found a nice balance between being a business but also understanding where human beings? Well, the, you know the big thing for me is is uh, when when you and I tell them hey this is my opinion. I've been wrong a lot, but I'm going to give you my opinion. This is what I think, and then it's your it's your choice as to how what how much how much uh, credence you put in in my opinion. I said, but I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you get to the big leagues. I'm not here to keep. I'm not an impediment. I'm here to help you. My job is to help you, and you let me know what I need to do to help you. And so now we put the responsibility back back on the player, and uh, and. Because ultimately, uh, they they need you can't sugarcoat it. You just gotta, you know, you gotta you gotta tell people what you're seeing, and then it's up to them to figure out whether it has credibility to them. And if it does, then how are they going to fix it? Right. Well, and, and uh, we're getting right up here uh, to, to nine o'clock, and so we're going to get towards towards wrapping everything up. But um, you know, I'm gonna as far as our actionable requests from this week. Uh, for resilience, it's it's going to take these ten recommended tips that uh, that are going to be given on resilience from an article that I'll end up posting on Twitter later. But it's just ten uh, ten recommendations, and uh, just go ahead and kind of evaluate where you're at in, in comparison to those areas for yourself, and 
it'll start just trying to help you with a little bit more of a blueprint towards towards building some resilience, towards giving yourself some guidance and some direction for yourself that you can have some fun with to start the new year as you've already started setting some goals and everything. So, uh, Jared, before I, I take us and close us out, I mean, you got anything else that uh, that you'd like to share? I, you know, I definitely appreciate you taking your time with us to start the new year. It was definitely something that I, I've been looking forward to and, and excited about just to get the, to kickstart the year. I, I do have a, a tremendous amount of respect and appreciation for uh, the the longevity and consistency and just love of the game that you obviously continue to display. Uh, I really don't have anything, but uh, uh, again, like I said before, if anybody needs anything from me uh, on, on Twitter, you can DM me or, or uh, uh, Kirk will put my, my email down and feel free to contact me anytime. And if I have the time and can help you or offer a suggestion, uh, I, I certainly will. And enjoyed being on here with you guys today too. I appreciate it, Jerry. Well, uh, Jerry, uh, thanks again for taking the time with us tonight and, uh, impart some awesome wisdom on all of us. Uh, I wanted to leave us with a quote from, uh, from Confucius, which states, uh, our greatest glory is not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. We will fall in some ways, guys. That, that's certain. But the, found, the, but the foundation in which we are building on gives us that much better of a chance to get back up when those challenges present themselves. So thank you to everybody who's listened in and giving your feedback throughout the weeks. Let's have an awesome 2022. And, uh, you know, but to do that, we got to get there moment by moment, day by day to get to those end goals. And remember, guys, we got to trust our beginnings. Have a great one. Appreciate everybody's time. Take care.